Today on CityCast Chicago. In 2021, newspapers include full-page spreads about Pride Month, and local news features footage of politicians smiling and shaking hands at the parade. But come on, it wasn't always like that. Especially on HIV-AIDS early on, it was like gay people were blamed for it, and, and hemophiliacs were innocent victims. If they covered us, it was bad, but they didn't cover us, right? They ignored, for the most part, what was going on in the, in the gay movement. Tracy Bame knew that the only way to get a full picture of the gay community was through gay journalists. I didn't want a career in journalism if I couldn't be who I was. 40 years later, Bame is still featuring stories of activism, legislation, culture, and arts of queer life in Chicago as publisher of the Chicago Reader. The Reader's Pride issue is on stands now. We talk with BAME about the evolution of LGBTQ media. It's Monday, June 14th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. First, a little bit of news, y'all. I was downtown this past weekend, and... It was crowded as hell. What did you expect? Long lines, shoulder-to-shoulder action, and it looks like the city is hoping for even more foot traffic this summer as it plans to shut down three major streets in the loop for events. Meet Me on the Mile will shut down the historic Michigan Avenue strip for dining, outdoor shopping, and performances. Lunch on LaSalle will block off LaSalle Street on Tuesdays, so you can have a picturesque meal in front of the always photogenic Chicago Board of Trade. And Sundays on State will start back July 11th, rerouting cars between Madison and Lake for, you guessed it, dining and shopping. Juneteenth is finally a paid Cook County holiday. Juneteenth or June 19th commemorates the freeing of the last slaves in Galveston, Texas, two years after the Emancipation Proclamation. Events will run all week, including virtual panels, plus multiple marches and a health resource fair at Malcolm X College. Hey, it'll be a good week to get outside, at least to start. Sunny and low 70s today, tomorrow, and hump day. A welcome break from hot and muggy, my friends. For more Chicago stories, sign up for our daily newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm. Almost every publication has pride-related stories in June, right? It's common now, but that wasn't always the case. In 1985, Tracy Bame knew that Chicago's LGBTQ community is best covered by LGBTQ writers and photographers. Uh, Bame co-founded the paper Windy City Times back in 1985, and last year it went all digital, but it remains a vital resource of issues, images, and news imperative to the queer community. But more than that, it reminded all readers that LGBTQ Chicagoans don't just belong in headlines when something tragic is ravishing the community or when human rights are violated or even during Pride Month. Uh, Tracy Bame has carried that mission to the alt-weekly Chicago Reader, where she serves as publisher and president. The Reader's Pride issue is out now and includes a print insert of the Windy City Times. There's an interview with Dr. Fauci about the AIDS epidemic and the history of LGBTQ plus activism. 
Tracy is here now to talk about how covering Chicago's gay community for the last 40 plus years has changed. Tracy, how are you feeling this afternoon? I feel great. I feel a little bit uh, weighted down by that intro, meaning <laughs> sometimes so you just do the work. And then uh, lately in the last few years, I've started thinking about that early years work. And the one through line is that I didn't think about the future. We were just trying to survive the present. So now that I have a chance to look back at it, I'm really honored to have had that opportunity to cover so many people who didn't make it past the 70s or 80s mm -hmm. um, and help make sure that their stories are not forgotten today. Yeah, I once watched an interview with you where somebody called you one of the most noticeable queer historians and you took a second and you said something to the effect of, it reminds you of how many people have been lost who have that history. Can you take me back to the mid 80s when you were starting the Windy City Times? What were the top stories? What was the environment like for the queer community during that time? So I'm from Chicago, but I went away four years to Drake University in Iowa. So I came back in May of 1984 and um, I wasn't sure what my career in journalism would be um, because I, I knew I couldn't really fit in the mainstream as an openly gay person then. My mother, um, who had been at the Chicago Defender, heard that Gay Life newspaper, run by Chuck Renzel at the time, was looking for a part-time person. And I walked into the Gay Life offices, which were right next door to Man's Country Bathhouse, which is, uh, you know, a le legendary uh, location in Chicago. And uh, I saw the typesetting equipment that they used. And I was just like, I can run that. And I can take photos. I can write. I can edit. Whatever you need me to do, I'll deliver the paper, but I got to work here. And most people weren't even using their real names. This was kind of a stopover for a lot of uh, professional journalists. They didn't want to use their real names. I, I didn't even know that. I just used my name. But I, Why weren't people? Well, they, their careers. Their careers. A lot of people in the gay movement weren't using their real names. But in, gay, in the gay press, I found that out after I already started in it. Like this guy, Paul, he left. And after he left... You know, it, it was just like, well, this is my real name in case there's any references or people, anything comes up. This is my real name. <laughs> so I didn't even know some wow. of the people were not using their real names. I was pretty naive to that. I didn't care how it affected my career. I didn't want a career in journalism if I couldn't be who I was. But so the top stories at Gay Life were obviously the starting uh, HIV AIDS was known for about three years at that point, but it had just recently been named HIV AIDS. So HIV AIDS, of course, was prominent. And then also serial killers and violence and um, a early push for the gay rights ordinance, things like that. Like every single issue of gay life I look back on now, it was tumultuous, like positive stuff happening, but also just so much trauma that was going on and so much unknown mm -hmm. about HIV AIDS at the time. So when Windy City Times started in 85, September of 85, uh, like a couple weeks after that is when Rock Hudson died. So there wasn't any issue of Winnie City Times that didn't cover HIV AIDS and during the 80s, the gay rights movement and push for a city gay rights bill. Were other mainstream publications covering these stories or did you feel like you and only a couple publications were covering them so you felt like you had to get so much in on that weekly basis? Really, for the most part, the coverage from the mainstream media was just horrible. Especially on HIV AIDS early on, it was like gay people were... Um, like blamed for it, and and hemophiliacs were innocent victims. If they covered us, it was bad, but they didn't cover us, right? They ignored, for the most part, what was going on in the, in the gay movement. My stepfather worked at the Tribune during that era, and so there were several gay men there 
uh, who died of HIV AIDS, and the Tribune didn't even say that in their obituaries. But I knew it from my dad and my stepfather. Wow. Yeah, and so that's how bad it was. And it started to get better around 1990 when the National, uh, it's now called the National LGBT Journalist Association was founded, NLGJA. Leroy Ahrens was a mainstream journalist who founded it because he knew that the way to change was from the inside. So he made it an organization that would help transform the media landscape. I think it's one of the most underappreciated um, national LGBT organizations in its impact, especially in the 90s. It transformed newsrooms. It created um, policy manuals and style books and a safe landing for journalists as they came out of the closet. We got more with Tracy Bame next. Hi, it's producer Carrie. Let me give you a little taste of what your fellow listeners are saying about us. CityCast Chicago connects me to the shy in the way I need. Most of the stories they cover aren't making local or national news, but they are important. And this, I love this podcast, gives me a daily dose of the news in less than 20 minutes. Now your turn. Rate and review us on Apple. It matters. Others will find CityCast Chicago and start listening and sharing, and our CityCast community grows. It works. Rate and review on Apple, and thanks. I've listened to you speak about the blind spots in the gay rights movement in relation to classism, you know, to to people of color, you know, trans women of color in particular who are often at the forefront of some of these movements. In the early days of Windy City Times, were you also having these conversations? You had one issue a week to curate a movement in, in a big city. And so I was always conscious of making sure we had women represented. Trans issues were important, but they weren't. The problem was there wasn't a lot to cover back then. So we certainly latched onto any story that we could cover or profiles of performers because most of the out people who were trans-identified were performers at the Potential Lounge, right? So we would constantly cover that. And whatever we could on those issues, we would. You know, the white gay male community, when they weren't always front and center or front in the cover, definitely would challenge and say, well, you don't cover white gay men anymore. And I'd say, well, you know, you can say that, but go back and look. You know, you're just not used to equity. Um, You're not used to sharing that space. And a lot of stories like the gay rights push are not gendered. HIV AIDS isn't gendered, but it was mostly affecting gay men, and we were constantly covering um, that and its impact. And we also covered HIV AIDS, how it impacted the African-American community larger in Chicago. And now we're here renaming Boys Town, right? We have drag marches happening even today to demand more equity, to demand um, a, a broader story being told. You know, have you seen a shift for the better in the coverage of the queer community and mainstream, but also in uh, smaller publications as well. Oh yeah, I would say that the the shift that started in the early '90s in the mainstream was important, but it still became it still was generally in the same kind of lane, which is that stereotyping our community as wealthy white men and some women. But I do think the mainstream media gets the nuance better, and there's many the this new generation of reporters are especially better trained to understand the LGBTQ community. But without nuance, we know that coverage is problematic. You know, what are some of the things that the mainstream media still gets wrong when covering the queer community? I would say that it's even hard for queer journalists to get right some of the the relatively new things about gender and gender identity. So some of it's generational. 
some of the younger straight reporters probably get it better than some of the older gay reporters, I would say. if it, You know, it's all about homework. In the murders of trans women, mostly trans women of color, we see, I was just reading one yesterday um, from a murder where the, the pronouns and the gender identity are gotten wrong throughout the whole story. Tracy, my last question to you before I leave. Uh, you said to me earlier that so much of your time in your career has been spent in survival mode. And while there's still so much more to do in regards to equity, understanding, it sounds like you're at a place in your life when you can look back and take some pride, you know, quote unquote, in the career that you've had to this point. You know, what do you see moving forward for your career as you also look back? I hope to be able to write more about the history. I just started a newsletter myself so I could write some of that gay history down. Um, that's in my head and um, post some of the old photos I have. And so I want to kind of bring together all that material in a way that will survive past me. And um, more than 200 boxes of my archives are not the Chicago Public Library. Um, I wish them well in trying to catalog it, as well as over a million photos and other documents that we had digitized for them so that they had them. But they're not organized in any way, shape, or form. So I basically gave them an, a haystack and it has no uh, no map. <laughs> so, but at least it's there and it's safely stored. Author, journalist, historian, and co-publisher of the Chicago Reader, Tracy Bame, I appreciate you for joining me on CityCast Chicago. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Some good news to get you through. The Chicago Cultural Alliance's 2021 Mosaic Gala is tomorrow. It features a virtual walkthrough of some of their member institutions on the north, west, and south sides of the city. The tours include places like the Swedish American Museum in Andersonville, the National Museum of Puerto Rican Arts and Culture in Humboldt Park, and the Bronzeville Historical Society, to name a couple. It will be hosted by yours truly. You can register online at chicagoculturalalliance.org. That's our show for Monday, June 14th. As always, I appreciate you for listening. Rate and review the podcast and share with your homies. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace.